enter the world of Mind Your Own Marketing Business, explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge from the industry's best, George is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Joe Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business podcast. I'm Joe Barsness from web and mobile development team Fiorge, and today on our show, we'll be talking with Andrew Eklund from Cicerone. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you very much, Joe. Happy to be here. All right. As always, starting my shows, um, I like to talk a little bit about your background. So tell us a little bit about Cicerone and yourself and how your business has grown through the years. Well, my background is really easy because I can pretty much tell you this is all I've done. Uh, Started the agency in 1995 as a digital agency. If we weren't the first, I think we're probably the last of the survivors, if you will, from all that time. And uh, yeah, I was a 20-something and now I'm a 50-something and I don't know. Next time we talk, maybe I'll be a 70-something. I'm not sure. <laughs> I hope you're still uh, still doing it. I wonder how much the world will change by then. I'm, I still hope I'm doing anything at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question about that. That So what? I've talked to some folks who say that they started their digital agency in 2000, 1999. And, you know, I don't want to date yourself, but I was in high school or not even in high school when you started your business. What was a digital agency like in like, how is, was it visionary? Was it like, what was the day to day like back then? Oh man, it was, uh, it was wild because nobody knew that they needed what we had. And so, you know, I, w- I was just looking at a chart just a while back that shows internet growth, you know, over the decades or over the years. And, you know, I was, it was, I was, it was funny because I was looking at 1995 and like, there were so few people on the internet, even in the United States in, in 95, it was just a very small number of people. And so, you know, as this really a kid at that time, I suppose I was 26 and, you know, going to businesses and telling them they needed to care about something that was happening. Uh, You know, it was sort of the beginning of a long career of convincing people that there's something right around the bend that you need to really (laughs) care about. And that's, if there's a consistent part of my story during every single one of these years, it's always that, that there's something right around the bend that you need to pay attention to. So it was, I, I say, think we're going to talk are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about something that's right around the bend too. If we, when yeah. we get there in a minute. So I'm curious cause you're always looking around the bend and you're always uh, needing to educate people and, and businesses and what they're going to do. So, um, but yeah. one question within those 26 years, what is something that you really look back on that you can be proud of or a cool client experience or something like what are, you, what are your favorite moments about, doing this for 26 years? Oh, man. You know, just to kind of go back to something, what was it like in the early days? I mean, you you couldn't do much on the internet. I mean, we used to have pages that people would be upset if there were images on them because it would take too long to load. I mean, think about that, right? And and in 96, I started a different company called IndieSonic, which was one of the first online music retailers. Um, It was also one of the first e-commerce websites. And so, what was fascinating about that back then is that, you know, we could only do 30 second audio clips of really garbled music. And if you liked what you heard, 
we would send you a CD in the mail. You know, I, I tell people that now and they think, well, why didn't you just download it? Why didn't, and it's like, well, that would have taken a week yeah, you know, to, to download somebody's <laughs> CD. So, um, you know, I think about, you know, those early humble beginnings. And if I, I think about what we're, what I'm proud of, uh, I guess is just that, you know, I think we've just been more right than wrong about things that we think are just about to happen. The things that we think that are just about to happen typically do. Um, and I don't know if it's just because we've gotten good at reading the tea leaves or, um, I'm not exactly sure. I think it's just this endless curiosity that we have about how people sure. live their lives, you know? And one of the big differences, I think, you know, not necessarily in between 95 and 2021, but it's just that most brands are behind where the consumer is at. So if you can stay on top, of what the consumer is trying to do in their lives and how they're living their lives and how they've integrated technology into their lives and how they consume content and how they share content and how they do all of those things. If you're laser focused on that all the time, they're the things that are around the corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not the technology that's around the corner. It's not a new content form or something is it wasn't that TikTok was around the corner at some point <laughs> last year. It was that everybody started using TikTok. That yeah. was the thing. And so, you know, that that's something I'm proud of is that we've always really focused not necessarily on what this what the new tech is or or anything like that. We're squarely focused on what people are doing. And that sure. we have now our job is to bring our clients up to speed with where they're at. And you know what? When we do that well and people feel, brands feel really connected to their consumer, like they feel like they're not getting in the way of their lives, but they're they're enhancing their lives in some way, that they're in partnership and commerce together, um, that, that that's really, really rewarding. Got it. Yeah. I guess when you get to be that uh, on top of things and you have to actually consciously look for those things and not be the, oh, well, I don't really want to look at TikTok. That sounds like something that won't take off. It sounds like from your curiosity standpoint, you're like, if I heard that TikTok thing from a 23-year-old, I better go check that thing out because it might be the next chance for my brands to connect with their audience. Absolutely. And you know what else is and really you, fun though, Joe? It's 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 also sort of fun to be able to tell some brands, you know what? We looked around the corner, we played with that thing. It's not for you. You don't have to worry about it. And you know what? They get this sigh of relief of like, oh, thank God, you know, I'm I sell, you know, hundred million dollar aerospace stuff. I guess I don't need to have a TikTok strategy. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's true. like, you know, unless you want to have fun, unless you just want to have fun with it. And that there's nothing wrong with that either. Right. Well, here's a little question for you. Maybe you can't think of anything, but is there any one thing that you are really surprised took off as much as it has or the reverse that you thought was going to for sure take off and, and never did? Oh, I, it God. might be hard to yeah. think of those things, but my my rear view mirror is littered with the carcasses of things <laughs> like that. You know, I, I, one of them that I do sort of laugh about even to this day is. I never thought that Twitter would become what it is, which is essentially the noise signals of culture, you know? And um, when it first was launched, 
you know, this idea that it was, uh, you know, 140 characters or, or whatever, and it was going to, it just people would randomly share what they're thinking at that very moment. It made no sense whatsoever. Of course, I was on there one of the first days on and, you know, and watched it happen. And, and to this day, I'm still like, uh, uh, it's really fascinating to me that, that Twitter has become what it has become, which I think is a really, really important tool. Um, that's one of them that I guess when you first saw it at face value, you just weren't sure how that was going to play itself out. The ones that I think, you know, um, well, you know, MySpace was funny, right? Like MySpace was like a thing for a moment and it was actually kind of cool, but it was ugly as hell. Yep. And, um, the UX on it was so inconsistent and, and you never really knew what you were engaging with or, or whatever else. And Facebook just kind of ate that lunch by having a user interface that was consistent for everybody and yet yeah. still gave people the freedom to share whatever they wanted to share. Um, you know, I think that there are some other technologies right now that are interesting that, uh, you know, when we look at, um, like Snapchat as an example. <clears throat> I'm still sort of waiting for Snapchat to maybe see if it's going to make a, if it's going to grow up with its users. You know, Facebook for the long time was like nobody but kids were on it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden moms and dads showed up and now people, now young people think it's a place where their grandparents are, you know? And so is Snapchat going to follow that? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it is to me. You know, it's not. Yep. It seems like it's one of those networks that's for a very specific thing. Um, so, yeah, and there's one other one too that I think is really interesting. Um, I think people forget how young YouTube is. You know, sure. Like, I think everyone thinks that YouTube has been around forever, and we had already been around ten years before YouTube was was launched. And now YouTube is television. I don't know about you. I use YouTube TV as my primary television. I do too. Yeah. And if you had told me that in 2005 or whenever it was that it was launched, like, you know, that was unheard of. Tell me, so. tell me if you have the same experience that you get annoyed when you go to watch television and you click on the wrong YouTube thing on your phone or your Apple TV and you go to the regular YouTube and you're like, where are all the channels? And yeah. then you're like, oh, wait, I'm on regular YouTube. I want to be on YouTube TV. Over exactly. here, I don't know if that happens to you, but it happens to me about once a week. And I'm like, they need to make these logos different. Yeah, um, exactly. But the the YouTube thing as a perfect example that you're talking about, where are like where are people going? My my dad, who's 70, just figured out like how to videos on YouTube, and he's like, I don't like. I don't need to call you anymore. I just go look yeah. it up on YouTube and there's a video for everything. And it's like, we've been telling you this for years, you know? Yeah. And like, that's how you, you find that thing. And then you're like, use it as a resource. And you're like, for all these home improvement projects or whatever you want to do, should I buy a product? You know, there's mm -hmm. so much out there and think about that world and how different it was when you had a digital agency. And then you go, how did I not think of this? Yes, right. Exactly. Well, how yeah, could I, I have I, not thought of this? I can't tell you the number of billions that I've lost by uh, not acting on some of those ideas, you know, all sure. along the ways. Right. But, uh, yeah. you know, 2020 in particular was a really fascinating year just because, as you were just saying, you know, um, 
in one year, the advancement of technology adoption was absolutely spellbinding. And so it was almost exactly a year ago now that we were just starting to hear about this thing called the coronavirus. And in March 10th was when we shut down at Cicerone right around yeah. the same time everybody else did. And between then and now, you know, everybody's parents and grandparents know how to do a Zoom call. You know, a lot of cord cutting happening last year. And and again, your parents and your grandparents are totally comfortable using uh, connected TV or, uh, you know, some other streaming device. They probably have two or three different devices now or two or three different services, you know. And a year ago, they weren't there at all. And so, um, you know, my dad might still answer a FaceTime call by putting his the video to his ear. But, you know. <laughs> It's 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 just absolutely fascinating. And that's having a huge impact on brands right now and how they have to do media planning. Sure. Because you know, you once thought to yourself, well, the cord cutters are of a certain demographic, you know, uh younger, you know, young young people are just out of college, you don't want to spend money on cable, right? No, it's it's everybody. It's everybody. And not only that, how you buy advertising on those technologies is looks a hell of a lot more like you know google adwords and facebook ads than it does old insertion orders and new york sure. upfronts you know it's a it's a massive change i don't know if you saw i i, I can't remember which i want to say maybe it was hulu i'm starting to see like you can place your own ad just by going to the Hulu platform, like Joe mm -hmm. could like make a commercial, pay a hundred bucks and say, I wanted to go to this area. And mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, I'm sure there's more to it than that, but it looks literally like micro at like video commercial advertising. Absolutely. In, and right on the platform, you're not going through any other third party. You're saying, I want to like advertise on, I think it was Hulu, but it was something like that. And I was like, whoa, this is news to me. So yeah, it's a big that's deal. That's coming. It's a big deal. And I think the thing that uh, we just have to get our heads around is that, um, you know, in that space in particular, in the video space, I'll just call it video instead of TV anymore, right? Um, you know, you just have to get out of the, as a marketer, you have to get out of the mindset that we're, we're buying programming, we're buying shows, you know, like I want to be on March Madness, right? Or I want to, I want to be able to be on uh, reruns of, you know, of uh, Gilligan's Island or something like this, right? I mean, now it's, you're buying people, right? So sure. it might be that I'm buying Joe and I'm buying Andrew and we're both watching the same show on Hulu. But Joe, because I know Joe is really into cycling, we're going to give him the ad for, you know, Trek cycles, right? Bicycles. And we know that Andrew is really into tennis and so head tennis rackets we're going to target to him even though they're watching the same show yep i mean it sounds simple and i think we all understand it because you know we all get retargeted now with things but i think people thought that that was stuff that happened in facebook and all this other it's happening in tv and that fundamentally changes how you do media buying and media planning well and so i'm going to make one point and then i i want to you reminded of the main topic that i wanted to speak of which is how are we getting that data to make sure that Joe gets the cycling ad? But I want to ask you a question as a marketer that I've thought about is I, because there's so much information on me and what I like, 
I feel like I only get information about like three things and I'm not Mm -hmm. exposed. Like it's going to be one of those things like where as a seven year old, you get an iPad and you look up hockey and you're never going to do anything other than hockey because all of the information is around hockey. And like, how do you get exposed to baseball? Or if you're never tagged with that by these advertisers, you're never going to get exposed to that thing. I'm like, show me a little bit more variety guys. Like I am a wakeboarder and a, you know, boat guy. And every single ad is about that. I'm like, once in a while, I want to get a cycling ad. So like, maybe I'll pick up cycling, you know? So So that's, yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, and it's not going to get any better soon. You know what I mean? Because uh, as you know, we are moving away from use the data that allows it to do it well is cookie based data, right? This yep. third page, this third party data. And as you know, that data is has been promised at least to go away in in large form. Um, you know, due to consumer privacy laws and big tech basically just saying we're going to get on board with that. And then you've got sort of halo brands like Apple you know, who, you know, to many people can do no wrong, um, you know, saying we're going to lead this charge. And oh, by the way, in leading that charge, we're really going to take on Facebook. Right. And so you've got this really interesting sort of war between these two mega brands to try and fight for consumer privacy. Something we all, I think, believe in. Problem is that um, I think that the just as you as you were just talking about, it's like you don't want we're all multidimensional hum, human beings. And I'm not just interested in tennis. I'm interested in a lot of different things. And so uh, as we move to, <clears throat> excuse me, new models, you know, there has to, the, the tech is going to have to catch up with the ability for marketers and all of us to understand the multidimensionality of, of human beings so that we can provide them with um, content. And if we wanna call advertising content, I'm fine with that. Um, <clears throat> that is going to be compelling to something they didn't even know they were interested in. That's some serious deep AI kind of intelligence stuff, right? And I think that it is, you know, lots of smart people smarter than me are gonna work on that, but that's gonna almost come after this next transition that we have over the next 12 to 18 months as the privacy laws and the major players essentially try and get rid of the data that's been problematic for so long. And frankly, cookie data was never built to be what it's become. It got too big for its own thing. And, uh, and and so the whole, the whole system is getting turned on its head right now. And that's the thing that's going to cause a lot of marketers well, I mean, 2020 was no fun and, you know, and, and it was not a great, I mean, it was fun to do a lot of digital transformation very quickly. I think that was, I hope people enjoyed some of that over 2020. This stuff that's happening with consumer privacy, nobody asked for it. You know, I'm not here uh, to talk about our new Atlas program, which I'm sure we'll talk about because I want to, it's sure. because I have to. And yep. that's, you know, that's a different thing. We're in one of those rare moments where a confluence of a few things are happening that are going to change the rules of the game that at the end of the day, we're ultimately all going to be better as a result, but we didn't have a lot of say on the timelines or, or how it's going to happen. 
Yeah, for sure. So what Andrew's talking about, and I've never done this before, but I feel like since I've got it pulled up, we talked about atlas.cicerone.com, just in case people are listening and want to have it pulled up at the same time. It's atlas.cicerone.com. And what we're talking about here is losing access to data to effectively reach the perfect audience. And mm-hmm. so, Andrew, my question to you is, what what are, are how far, <laughs> not our brands behind, how far are brands behind? And what do they need to know? And what are the action steps that are either happening or need to happen as this all, you know, is 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 going away? Well, there's good news and bad news. The good news is that brands are not at all at all behind right now. And that's the good news. Good. Um, the reason we launched Atlas was that there's going to be a lot. And Atlas is essentially two things. It's an education series where we're just going to share with the marketplace what we're seeing in the change in the changes that are happening with consumer privacy and the loss, as well as uh, new sources of data will will come online is to sort of just be true to our brand. Uh, a Chicharone, if you will, is a trusted guide. And we've always felt that, that is our, that's our brand is to talk about what's, what is around that next corner. And this is clearly already beyond around the corner. It's in front of us. Um, but is to get ahead of it as soon as possible. Because I think that, that what's going to happen is that decisions will be made whether it's by Facebook or Apple or Google or the trade desk or all these different technology providers that will have immediate impact on us. And so we're going to have to learn how to be very nimble and quick to make decisions about trying new things to onboard new data and to, and to in the very short term, just get a handle on where we're at right now. I, I'll tell you that I think there are a lot of brand marketers who are somewhat uncertain as to how dependent they actually are on this on the data that's going away. And so you need to have an understanding of, of where you're at right now and how susceptible you are to the changes from a third-party data standpoint. And then secondarily on that is to really look at, well, what data do we have that we own, right? First-party data. You know, the best brands in the world you know, the most, I think it was announced earlier this week that Amazon is the most loved brand by millennial and Gen Z, right? It overtook Apple. Okay. And which a lot of people find surprising because Amazon is not necessarily completely and totally a halo brand like the way Apple is. Uh, Amazon has its own issues, but it was the number one brand. And why is that? It's because Amazon knows you better than anybody. Amazon has more information on you than anybody else. They have more first-party data than anyone else, and they know how to use it. And that's why we continue to keep giving them all of our money is because they understand user experience. They use that data. They introduce products to you that you didn't know that you needed, but all of a sudden now seem great. They have one-click shopping. They have Amazon Prime. You know, all these sorts of things that they have used that data. What the changes that are happening in 2021 are essentially saying, and I, I really hate to say this because I don't even know if I really mean it, but it was like be more like Amazon. I mean, the marketplace is basically saying 
we're going to reward brands who understand their customers better than other brands. So you better understand what your first party data is. And by the way, first party data is just a fancy word for saying, how do we understand people? How do we sure. understand our own customers? How do we use that data? How do we use it to enhance the, the brand experience that we're going to provide to them? And that's not just through targeting and all this other kind of stuff. It's even like going way back 20 years ago to the early days of email marketing automation and just getting that right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a lot of email marketing that, that brands still batch and blast stuff, right? And I'm talking about, I'm just, there's a level of sophistication towards just doing marketing well that frankly, a lot of third-party data has provided a crutch to us to not have to do those things because we can always just buy other people's data and do acquisition campaigns and kind of keep the funnel moving without having to do the hard stuff. That's gone. And so you're going to have to focus on the fundamentals to get that right. So Atlas is really about an education series around everything that's happening in that. Secondarily to that, obviously, you know, my mama didn't raise no dumb kids. And so there are some consulting services around about how can we help, you know, how can we help take you on that journey sure, um, and, and really do things strategically so that as time goes on and these changes happen, that not only are you prepared, but you're a little bit ahead of the game and you've made incremental improvements into things that maybe you could have done or should have done over the past how many years? Even if all of this went away, even if Apple and Facebook said, truce, we're done, we're out, and Google said, yeah, cookie data is better data anyway, so just go back to that. I guarantee you that if you make the changes that, at least that we're recommending, and all of this turned out to be a myth, you'd still be a way better marketer. You might as well do it anyway. Yeah. You might as well do it anyway. Got it. And by no, the way, if they're right advice. and it does happen, then you're way ahead of the game. I think sure. the longer people wait, the exponential pain that's going to be caused by waiting will only be that much more hurtful. And I know that sounds like I'm trying to juice this thing. I'm really not. I really fundamentally believe that that's exactly what's going to happen. And, and I don't want, at least for our clients, I don't want that to happen. Maybe I want it to happen to their competitors, but I don't want it to happen to our clients. Got it. No. Yeah. I, Certainly makes sense. And you also, you know, giving people time to prepare is what this is all about. And as I guarantee you the way that everything in this world works that I know of is you, you feel like you might be like, oh, we don't need that. And then all of a sudden you realize once it's gone, that there was one piece that relied on all your other thoughts and that is gone and yep. you need to stay up. And I also now just had an aha moment about um, you know, I knew this was happening subconsciously, but Amazon doesn't ask you at first. They started asking me if I was a fan of the Minnesota Twins and the Minnesota Vikings. They don't even ask that question anymore. They say, mm -hmm. who's going to win the game today, the mm -hmm. Vikings or the Packers? And I, I don't ever click on it because I don't want Viking stuff to show up on my screen. But they're trying to gather more and more first party data um, yep. so they know what to serve you and on your home screen. And like, it's just amazing that they're trying to gather it. They've gone so far as to not ask you literally, but ask you 
who you think is going to win. And I guarantee you, they're going to then send you those types of products. It's basically like saying, I like the Vikings. I'm going to send them Vikings information. So you may have an aha moment. You know, and Joe, one of the things that I think is a misnomer that's happened for a long time, really, is that I think there's this idea that people hate advertising. They don't hate advertising. Um, Instagram is a great example of that. Instagram has really great targeting. Okay. And I think it has done a good job of introducing brands that you maybe didn't know existed, but are still within some interest categories. So whether that's shoes or tennis gear or music or whatever, um, you know, people buy a lot of stuff from Amazon. You know what I mean? Like they, they convert. And so when I look at the data and I look at conversion data and I look at what people are actually doing, I can tell you they do not hate advertising. What they do hate more and more is advertising that actually is irrelevant to them, which means they actually like data and they like to be tracked. And I think think about it that same way. But what they don't want to have happen and what, why the reason why this is all happening right now, 2021, 2022 is that many brands have abused that right, have abused that data. And that's what they want to get a handle on. And, you know, Steve Jobs, I think said it back in 2010, you know, we have a tremendous responsibility to take care of people and their data. If they opt in to receive something from you, or they given you permission to do something, you have almost a solemn vow to do to be right by them about that. And uh, we've just seen too many examples where uh, people have been fast and loose and too free with the data. I think Facebook, uh, you know, with Cambridge Analytica and the the election cycles and uh, to go back to your comment earlier about, you know, do we live in these information silos? And we do. I mean, the, the I think the, the voting records and uh, a lot of different things that you see, we are a product of the information we consume. And um, we are not in a good place right now as it, as it comes to that. And so for that reason, I guess I'm excited for things like AI. I'm, I'm excited for benevolent AI. Right, good <laughs> yeah, brand, sure. good brands who know how to use the tools well. You know, Elon Musk talks about it all the time. There has to be an open standard for AI so it doesn't get into the wrong hands. Um, he's not wrong about that. He hasn't been wrong about a lot of things. So I'm going to kind of listen to that. And so, um, but we're in the middle of a, a very interesting time, and um, it's terribly, terribly exciting for those who want to grab it by the horns and. And uh, be great, be great marketers. And uh, this is giving them an opportunity to do it, kind of like 2020 was with e-commerce. 2021 is really what it's going to be all about, how to use this data in ways that are truly helpful, that are ethical, and add value to people's lives. That's cool. That is awesome. And Andrew, this has been great. This is fun to learn about. I think you have a very forward-looking thought process, very informative. And so I learned a lot today. So I just want to make sure uh, that the listeners out there know how to find you. And we were talking about atlas.cicerone.com, but obviously cicerone.com as well to find your organization, C-I-C-E-R-O-N. But that's it for today on Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Uh, And thank you to our listeners for joining us. 
You can download episodes of our program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mind your own marketing business or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thanks so much again, Andrew. Thank you so much.